Welcome to Today in the Word with Pastor Bob Larson of Calvary Chapel Caldwell. Pastor Bob will be with us in just a few minutes, but first we'd like to let you know that Calvary Chapel is located on the corner of 10th and Everett, across from the library in downtown Caldwell. We have two Sunday morning services at 9.30 and 11.30. If you prefer Saturday nights, we have a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. We also have a midweek service Wednesday night at 7 p.m. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on ABC Channel 6.1. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services, where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truths in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. We have been going through Corinthians, and we're finishing, and we're coming to the last chapter. If you have your Bibles open at 1 Corinthians 16. Well, uh, if you haven't been here with us as we're ending Corinthians, that this letter was written to a church that was very messed up, and really, the Apostle Paul was writing the epistle to the Corinthians to correct a whole bunch of problems they had in church. And so if you've been here with us, you know, we looked at all those things. So now we're to the last chapter. Verse 1, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Now, a little history here is that the church in Jerusalem, so, uh, you know, when the church first started, you know, Jesus was in Jerusalem, the apostles were in Jerusalem, and then as it spread out, then churches were, you know, planted elsewhere. And the church in Jerusalem at this time, when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, it was going through some difficult financial times, and it was kind of the church headquarters, it's where the church started, and Many Christians in the Jerusalem church had been excommunicated from the Jewish community. You remember in John chapter 9, verse 22, where it says, The Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed he was Christ, he would put him out of the synagogue. So anybody who believed Jesus was the Lord, Savior, the Messiah, then the Jewish community excommunicated them, cut them off, and that meant from their family, from their job. It's kind of like if you lived in Idaho Falls and uh, you weren't a Mormon, and, you know, when I lived in Idaho Falls, my kids were little, and nobody uh, could play with my kids because they weren't Mormons, right? And so, uh, and if you were a Mormon, you get excommunicated, then you can't get jobs or contracts. So it's kind of that same thing. And so, uh, and, and then also in Jerusalem, there was a famine during that time. So there was many who were struggling financially because of the relationship with Jesus and because of the famine. And so Paul is writing to all the churches in Galatia and to the church of Corinth, and he said, hey, if you guys want to donate money to support them, then I'll be taking up an offering as I come by. And so he said, do it ahead of time. Now notice that he says uh, the first day of the week, and number uh, verse 2, <coughs> where it says on the first day of the le- uh, week. Now, on the first day of the week is when the early church first met on Sunday. Now, we do have churches <coughs> that meet on Saturday. In fact, uh, you know, sometimes they say that you're supposed to meet on Saturday. But we know that the Jews worshipped on the Sabbath, which was the seventh day, which was Saturday. So the Jews worshiped on Saturday, but the early church did not worship on Saturday. And someone say, well, why did they worship on Sunday? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, now on the first day of the week, Sunday, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, uh, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. So uh, they got together and worshiped on Sunday. Well, one of the reasons is that Jesus rose on Sunday, right? And so uh, that Easter Sunday, right? And, and so uh, Romans 14, 5 says, one man esteems one day above another. Another man esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So for me, 
than for you know, most Christians, then we worship on every day. It isn't one day above another. And uh, for me, I worship on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and every day of the week, right? There isn't a day where I'm like, okay, God, you can't talk to me now. I'm out. It's my day off, right? So, uh, right? And so the idea of which day and people get hung up on that, but really the early church met on Sunday. In Colossians uh, 2, 16, it says, so let each man uh, or let no one judge you in food or drink regarding festivals or new moons or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. So if somebody judges you and says you go to church on Sunday, and that's not really much of a thing now because uh, the church, yeah, anyway. Verse 2, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there <clears throat> be no collection when I come. So, <clears throat> That also was a thing where on the first day of the week, on Sunday, they received an offering. You know, it was a regular uh, regular weekly event where they took up an offering on Sunday. Now, some people have asked me, Pastor Bob, why don't we have an offering on Wednesday? Well, because in the early church, they took it on Sunday, and we don't take it on Wednesday. Now, if you beg, we could take an offering tonight. <laughs> You're like, we're not going to beg. All right, that's good. But uh, so... Uh, when it says, as each one, right, so it implies every Christian in Corinth, right, they, you know, they, 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 everybody has a responsibility. Now, uh, you know, they took an offering every Sunday, and that was a continuation of what we saw in the Old Testament, that tithing was a biblical principle before the law, right? So in Genesis 14, remember it says in verse 20, Abram gave a tenth of everything, and that's where we get the word tithe. Tithe means a tenth, right? And so <clears throat> it was an act of worship, uh, in part of the spiritual growth process. In Luke 11, Jesus said, Woe to you, Pharisees, you tithe a mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and, love, uh, and the love of God. These you want to have done without leaving the others undone. So uh, Jesus was saying, look, that was something that they did and it was, it was part of, uh, you know, worshiping the Lord. Now, I think it's important for us to be givers. The Bible talks a lot about giving, and I think every time a person gives financially, it gives away a little bit of your selfishness, right? Because we, I don't know if you know this, but our natural bent is to be selfish and self-centered and greedy, right? It's part of the fallen nature. Now, even my sweet little granddaughter, Penelope, is selfish, right? I go into the nursery with her in there, and there's other little kids in there, and you know, if some other little kid has a toy, Jack-Jack has a toy, she's like, hey, you know, she wants it, and, and w that's just how we are, right? I mean, that's just the reality. We are born sinners, right? It's our bent to be selfish, and uh, it starts when you're a little kid, one years old. It's mine, right? Yanking it and giving, you know, you go in the nurse, you see those kids fight in there, but, uh, but here's the thing. Selfishness leads to unhappiness, and God loves us, and so he wants us to learn to give, and every time you give financially, you are, in tithing, you're giving away some of your selfishness. And really, uh, it is one of the main subjects of half the parables that Jesus taught. One out of every seven verses in the New Testament deals with money. 500 verses deal with prayer, less than 500 on faith, 2,000 verses uh, deal with money. And, you know, understanding it, managing it wisely, giving, all those sort of things. Now, why is that? Well, because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so it's not about the money. God doesn't need your money to keep the earth spinning, right? Or to keep the uh, sun burning, right? You ever thought about that? Who's paying for the fuel bill of the sun to warm the earth? Not you or me, right? But 
Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, or well, or Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So really what Jesus is saying is where you give, where you invest your money is an indication of where your heart is, right? And so it's important for us to be able to assess. I think one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it helps us to assess where we are in life as a person and, and where we're going. And Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, when I first read that as a new Christian, I didn't really believe that. I, I don't think so. I think it's better to get, get <laughs> right? I mean, I remember thinking, would I rather have somebody give me a $100 bill or would I rather give one? Now, when I first became a Christian, I would have said, get one, right? But now that I've been a Christian a little while and I've grown a little bit spiritually, do you think it's do you think I'm more happy if I could give one of my grandkids a $100 bill or whether they give me one? Well, all you grandparents know. You'd rather give one, right? And, and so, uh, you know, we taught our kids to be givers, and I think it's an important thing because our society is very selfish and very self-centered. And even when our kids were very little, at the youngest age, they started getting allowance from their grandpa. They'd get a dollar a week, and I don't know what age it was, first grade, second grade. And so my wife would tell them, okay, you get a dollar allowance, you need to tithe 10 cents. And, <clears throat> you know, they would bring it to the church and put it in the tithe box. And um, before that, my wife would just give them money to give, even though it wasn't theirs. I'm like, I don't know about that. Anyway, but, uh, but they would give 10 cents. And, and, you know, sometimes I had three boys, and sometimes my wife told me that she would go to the offering box, and one of them would hold the dime in their hand and be like, no, my. You know, and she's like, come on, give it. And she said she'd pry his fingers open and like, put it in there, right? And as a little elementary kid, you don't even know what 10 cents is, but you don't want to give it because you're selfish, right? <laughs> and then later on, you know, later in elementary school, they started getting $10 a week, so then they gave a dollar a week, right? And, and here's the thing. We wanted our kids to learn to give, right? And what a better way to practice giving than to, to give to the Lord, right? And so, <clears throat> you know, uh, we wanted them to be cheerful givers, right? We want to learn them to give. We don't want to have selfish little children because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly also reaps sparingly, and he who sows bountifully also reaps bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So God doesn't want anybody to be manipulated into giving. And that's why we don't manipulate people into giving, right? You will never come to Calvary Chapel and hear me or somebody else up here like, God's going broke. And unless you give, then we're not going to be able to go on. And then some drama. <gasps> I, don't, I mean, I don't know how they do it, but, right? Because God doesn't want you to give grudgingly. In other words, God's saying, if you're like my son with the dime in your hand, no, it's mine. He doesn't want your mom to pry the hand open and make them give it, right? It was like, although she, she did a good job, right? They, they are giving. But, uh, but the point is, is that God wants us to be giving, right? And, and for me, when I first started tithing to the church, I could give to God, but I couldn't give to anybody else. I mean, everybody else was like, these people are evil. I'm not giving them any money, right? But, but to God, I'm like, okay, he did start the universe. He's got the sun going, keeping us warm. All right, uh, so I can tithe to God. But, but the Bible just teaches that you reap what you sow. And as you give, you get blessed, right? Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And Malachi 3 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse in the Old Testament so that <clears throat> there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord. So that's how they funded, you know, the temple. People brought in a tithe 
and so too with the church. And if you will, he said, test me now in this. Now, there's the only place in the Bible where it says you can test God. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings until it overflows. And, and uh, I, I think Malachi 3.10 in America, I kind of think the reason that we have as many storage units as we do grocery stores is because God has blessed our country, right? Because many of the founding fathers were believers and, you know, the Bible was the number one influence in our founding of our nation, right? A, a written document. And so, uh, you know, tithing is a great way to learn how to be a giver. So we're going to stop there because we're out of time. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. We'd like to share with you a couple of things that are going on here at Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel Caldwell is now hiring full-time and part-time positions for our exciting Calvary Kids Learning Center. If you enjoy working with children from newborn through kindergarten, please give us a call at 453-9653. Positions are Monday through Friday with our availability to fit your schedule. To learn more about these exciting opportunities, please call 453-9653. We look forward to meeting with you. Calvary Chapel Caldwell would like to invite you to our Saturday night service at 7 p.m. This is an alternative for those who cannot make it to our Sunday morning services. Like us on Facebook at Calvary Chapel Caldwell or check out our website at calvarycaldwell.com. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on the CW channel 2.2. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services, where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truth in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. If you would like a copy of Pastor Bob's message today in its entirety, you can call us at 208-453-9653 during the hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you're not currently attending a church and are in the Caldwell area, we'd like to invite you to one of our services. We're located on the corner of 10th and Everett, right across from the library in downtown Caldwell. You can also visit us on the web at calvarycaldwell.com. If Today in the Word is ministered to you and you would like to support this radio outreach ministry, we encourage you to pray for us. You can also partner with us financially. Simply visit calvarycaldwell.com to make a donation. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. May the Lord bless you and may you have a great day. Today is the day you